That's Steve got the soundbite right. Blair Witch Project. Let's go to neuropsychologist and author Dr. Hannah Carell, who's standing by. Hi, Hannah. Hey, Jesse. How are you doing? Good. Did you watch the Blair Witch Project? I did long, long, long time ago, and it was scary. Terrifying. Terrifying. I don't watch scary movies anymore. (laughs) Do you not? What's the scariest film you've ever seen? And can you tell us, as a psychologist, this is just a spontaneous question, (laughs) whether it's good for us to watch horror movies? Yeah, I think Paranormal Activity was very scary for me, and I think the thing that really gets you is that anticipation. You know, Mm -hmm. before you see the monster, when you don't know what's going on in the lead-up, it could happen at any moment, and that anticipation is basically that arousal in your body, which is heart beating, heart racing, sweating, breathing quickly, and all of those symptoms are actually the same symptoms you get when you're excited, right? When you use a roller coaster or when you get butterflies when you meet your crush for a date. So it's enjoyable when it's a safe experience. And I think that's why we enjoy watching scary movies. I am um, just to continue on this topic for a moment. I'm pretty sure I saw a story once that it's a, a good shortcut to um, getting attracted to each other uh, on a date is to do something <laughs> where, which, where the adrenaline sort of kicks in to share that sort of experience together. Yeah, there's actually a study where they had um, participants walk across a really shaky bridge, which was like a, a wooden bridge with ropes over like a running stream. It was a bit mm. scary. And then the um, the research person asked them questions, and it was all a ploy because later they then rated their attractiveness, how they were, how much they were attracted to that research yeah. assistant. <laughs> People who were very scared tended to say they were more attracted because <laughs> they confused that arousal, that stimulation of their body for attractiveness. <laughs> So it's a good date idea, Jesse. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Cool. Hey, um, welcome. Uh, we have Hannah in every couple of weeks to talk about different aspects of relationships and of the brain. She's an expert in the way our brains work. And we wanted to talk a bit about people who are here to help fix you today, Hannah. So um, lots of people, I think, in 2023 feel like things aren't quite right there. Overstressed, or they're not sleeping well, or they're maybe a little bit anxious, or they're lonely. Various problems where you'll know about these issues. And there are so many people putting their hand up saying, I can help with that. Um, mm. Whether it's life coach, or therapist, or counselor, or mm. wellness advisor. And we wondered if you could give us some tips on how to sort the good from the bad. Absolutely. Yeah, I think you're right. It is. It has been a trying time, especially since COVID. Um, and I think I'm a big proponent that all people benefit from therapy. It's like going to the gym for your mental health. So mm. everybody would benefit from seeing a psychologist once in their life because it's great growth. Uh, the issue comes when we have people using uh, titles that might make somebody think that that person is really qualified and able to help them with things like trauma or with marital issues or with getting their life on track. And we're starting to have names and terms like, as you said, life coaches and NLP practitioners and therapists or counsellors. Now, those terms might mean great things and those people might provide great services. The only issue is when we get into people spending a lot of money, you know, there's so many Instagram ads of people selling their life coach course Mm. for a small payment of $5,000 for the weekend, (laughs) um, which is pretty huge when you think about it. Now, the difference between those terms is there are certain terms that are protected titles, which means that it's illegal for you to use that professional job title unless you have done the qualifications. Okay, so those are things like a medical doctor, a psychologist, a physiotherapist, an occupational therapist. 
those kind of terms. Terms like life coach, counsellor, NLP practitioner, those are terms that are not protected, which means that you don't know what the quality of that person's training has been. Now, some people may have had very good training in those areas. They might be excellent counsellors or life coaches. It's hard for me to say because I can't be sure of what their qualifications are. So you know that when you use a protected title like a doctor or a psychologist, that you can rest assured that the New Zealand government has ensured they have done that correct training. Yeah. So what you're paying for is, is, is qualified advice. Uh, is is that psychologist of- or just registered registered psychologist, Hannah? Because I guess if you'd done a psychology degree, you could call yourself a psychologist, could you? No, in fact, you can't. So really? If you've done a Bachelor of Psychology, you cannot call yourself a psychologist. You huh. have to actually go on to do further training okay. to become a qualified psychologist, which might mean an internship, a master's program, and then you become endorsed. And in New Zealand, it's called the New Zealand Psychology Board. So you can actually look up, if you're not sure if the person you're working with is fully qualified, you can look them up on the Medical Council of New Zealand or the New Zealand Psychology Board. There's Uh, various boards that are endorsed by the New Zealand government where you can find the practitioner and see that they've actually got the qualifications that um, you might believe they have. Uh, So some people who perhaps are using the term like life coach may not be necessarily forthcoming about what their qualifications are. And it's a great idea to ask them, you know, where have you done your training? What what did that training involve? And check it out for yourself. Look up the course. See if it was, you know, a two-year course at a really um, esteemed university versus maybe a two-day workshop, which they did online. There, there might be a big difference between those two, and there might be a big difference in then what you're paying for the service. Yeah, I imagine you've been through a few of those uh, things, Hannah, um, given all the um, letters after your name. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed, yes, it did take me 12 years to study to become a a psychologist and a neuropsychologist in particular. So there is a bit of a difference. And and the things that usually, you know, there might be no harm in seeing somebody who's a counsellor, especially if you get on with them and they are doing a good job for you. the problem is maybe when they're using techniques that perhaps are what we call complementary medicine, so they're, they're not endorsed as conventional therapeutic techniques. And those can be things like hypnosis or neuro-linguistic programming. Those things can be great complementary medicine, especially when they're done by a qualified professional. If they're not done by a qualified professional, they can actually cause harm. So people can dig up false memories when they're doing hypnosis, they can re-traumatize you accidentally, and they can actually cause you to have worse mental health than better mental health. So it's really important to pay attention to how you feel after a session, to check in with family members and people around you who see you after those sessions, and make sure that those things are not causing you harm. And when in doubt, check it out. So look it up, uh, check the New Zealand Board of Psychology, check the Medical Council of New Zealand, check out the person who you're working with to see if they actually perhaps have those qualifications that you are assuming that they do have. Uh, There will be people listening who will be thinking, hey, I used a life coach and I actually got a lot out of it. Mm, Absolutely. There are amazing people out there who have skills as counsellors, skills as therapists, skills as life coaches. Those things are really valuable assets to society and they might actually be perhaps a little uh, less expensive than perhaps seeing a psychologist. So it can be a great avenue to go down. The only issue is when we don't know what their qualifications are. 
So I would recommend, check them out on LinkedIn, see how long they've been working in the field for. If you've got a counsellor who's had 20 years of experience working with autism, they've written several papers in the topic and they've written books on the topic and they're really highly regarded, then you can probably be more assured that that person knows what they're talking about. But if you look them up and you're finding that they've got a certificate and you don't know where it's from and you don't know how long it was, you can't find it on the internet anywhere and you just can't be clear on their qualifications when you ask them, that's probably a red flag that something might be a little bit off. And when some people are asking for money, that's usually when I say, take your time, don't rush into anything, check it out before you commit to spending anything. I guess the other thing is that if you have a bad experience or a disappointing experience with a member of a particular profession, it helps if they're part of an industry industry group or a regulated group so that you've got someone to complain to. Absolutely. And every year, medicine, medical doctors, psychologists, physiotherapists, allied health professionals, we all have to make sure that we register every single year. We all have to make sure we report any complaints or any criminal offences that have occurred in the last 12 months. Uh, or because it might jeopardize our registration. We also have to do professional development every single year. And there's a certain minimum number of hours we have to do every single year to make sure that we're still qualified. So you can rest assured that someone who got their you know, medical certificate 15 years ago is still acting in accordance with the latest research. And that's probably the difference between a registered title, a protected title, you can be assured of the quality, whereas somebody who doesn't have a protected title, you're trusting that they know what they're doing and they've kept up to date with the latest literature because there's nothing to kind of enforce and monitor them to keep up to date. So it's, it's all about being uh, buyer aware and making sure that you're empowered through knowing and understanding that not all titles of a job are necessarily endorsed in the same manner with the New Zealand government. Thanks, Dr. Hannah. That's okay. Thanks for having me, and I hope you enjoy some good, scary movies this weekend. (laughs) 